0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fensky. Even before the COVID-19 outbreak, many local senior citizens were vulnerable to isolation. And with that comes some poor health effects. The problem was especially acute for seniors living alone. The Community Health and Partnership Agency, which is also known as CHIPS, wanted to do something about that. It teamed up with the St. Louis Housing Authority. And with training from workers at St. Louis University, they set up a group called Circle of Friends. Beginning last fall, they helped seniors get together in small groups and begin to connect. And while those groups have been affected by the coronavirus, the facilitators are seeking new ways to tackle loneliness during this time. So joining me to talk about this important work is Marla Berg-Wager. She's a professor in the School of Social Work at St. Louis University. And she's also executive director of their Geriatric Education Center. Uh, Marla, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be able to, to be on the, on the show today. And we're
0: also joined by Regina Stewart. She's a facilitator with Circle of Friends. Regina, welcome.
1: Thank you. So,
0: Marla, tell me, I, I understand this does predate the coronavirus by many, many months. What was the genesis for forming these groups?
1: So the uh, Gateway Geriatric Education Center at St. Louis University um, has a federal grant to uh, enhance a geriatric workforce. And uh, one of our initiatives for this year, or for this cycle of funding, is that we have uh, developed this evidence-based intervention called Circle of Friends, uh, which was developed in in Finland some years ago, and it's a group intervention really focused on being able um, to address uh, loneliness and social isolation among older adults. And we have uh, some partners in the community, um, and Regina is facilitator of one of the groups with the, with a partnership between uh, community health and partnership and uh, St. Louis Public Housing Authority to be able to do these groups. And we developed training and we've all been working together over the last, oh gosh, since the early fall, to to be able to bring together older adults who otherwise are not uh, having a lot of contact um, with others or, or may be lonely. So Regina, you were a
0: facilitator for one of the first groups and that was beginning last September. I understand the participants were your neighbors. Did you know many of them before this?
2: Some I did, some I didn't. I I just want to say, Sarah, I thank you on behalf of uh, the other four facilitators who have worked just as hard, Roberta Collier, Edith Guthrie, Celeste Jameson, and Dolores Quinn. We knew some of our neighbors, some of them we didn't. And in one case, one of the facilitators, I believe that all the people that she has in her group, which is the largest group, Edith's group, uh, they were kind of fairly new to her.
0: Okay, so describe that first meeting for you. Um, what was this like to get everybody together there in person and and try to open up uh, these these channels of conversation?
2: we um the first well, the recruitment was so much fun because people didn't want to initially be part of anything that talked about that they were lonely, that they had depression, that they were isolated socially. Um, but as we began to talk to them, talk to them, encourage them to become part of something different and something new, uh, they got in, in there. And I, I remember at our first meeting how people went around the table and they kind of talked about how they weren't lonely, <laughs> how they weren't, they didn't feel isolated. But by the second and third uh, session, uh, they say, you know, I didn't identify what that was, but I guess I was.
0: <laughs> they had kind of an awakening. They began to understand yeah. some things about themselves. Mhm.
2: Mhm.
0: Marla, um, is is that typical that people might think, "Oh, I don't need a group like this" until suddenly when they have it, they realize they were thirsting for it?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that, you know, that most of us if you if you ask us you know, are we lonely, are we socially isolated? We say, no, no, because we, we don't want to appear as though, you know, we've, we've done something wrong or, or we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. So, no, I think, and I think it's really to the credit of those five amazing facilitators um, that they were able to draw people out and to get them engaged and to get them connected to other people.
0: So, Regina, once you had that first meeting and, and you got to the second meeting, people are starting to let down their guard a bit. What are the things that you hear being discussed at these meetings?
2: Uh, different ways to connect with people. Um, they had personal, everyone had kind of personal things going on with them, so we talked about family, extended family. We talked about services that they were having or they didn't have. Um, We talked about their eating habits, learning something new. So everybody began to connect based on what their personal needs were.
0: And as a facilitator, were you driving the conversation in specific ways or, or just letting it kind of go where it wanted to go?
2: Well, we had, a good, we had a good, solid agenda every week. We always start our meetings in prayer, and we end them in prayer. But in between, um, we're given the, the, our participants are given the opportunity to talk about something that happened different in their life the week before. We just kind of recap where we've been, and then we began to integrate different things, and then we began to plan some things together as well.
0: Hmm. And did you see friendships beginning to form amongst individual pairings of people?
2: I saw, in, initially, I saw people letting their guards down just to uh, accept other people. And then I began to see a couple of friendships here and there where they um, kind of lean on each other for different things.
0: Hmm. That's just terrific to hear. Um, I actually want to go to the phone lines. We have one of your fellow facilitators um, who's calling in, and and I think it would be great to hear from them as well. Let's uh, let's talk to Irene, who's calling from St. Louis. Irene, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air.
1: Hello, how are you? I
0: understand you're also a facilitator for these Circle of Friends uh, meetings. How have you felt the impact of this
1: group getting together? I enjoy it. matter of fact,
2: I miss participating now. I really enjoy it. It's great
0: and and what have been some of the meaningful conversations that uh, that that group has been able to have?
2: Uh, we talk about a little of everything uh, like you all were saying about depression. We t- participate in different things. Um, it's just different things that we do and talk about mm-hmm.
0: and do you see changes coming over um, the seniors that are are being part of these conversations? Yes, I do. I do.
2: I do. Cause you get a chance to talk about different things, and 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 you're not isolated. And and, and as time go on, people. Kind of started opening up a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. I can see yeah. that. Well, Irene, yeah. th- thank you for that call. I appreciate hearing your perspective. Um, Regina, I understand this was supposed to end. There was some sort of endpoint, I believe, in December, but that didn't happen. What uh, what happened instead?
2: Well, about halfway through, a little bit past halfway through, all of, all all five of us facilitators realized that the groups that were formed didn't want to leave after twelve weeks, and we were coming up on twelve weeks quickly and we realized that um that you know one of the things that that we said is that you don't make new friends and then kick them to the curb because you' got new friends
0: That's a great point
2: you know, and so um so we made the decision that anyone who wanted to stay on for the second group could and and and, um several of them did. several of them have continued on because they bonded with people um which made their health that better uh how they felt their self-esteem I've watched self-esteem uh go off the hook and mm-hmm. uh people are their health is better they're not as sick and and you know in our research, you know we learned that loneliness and and isolating socially, it it messes with your mind and with your health. Hmm. And so we began to look at different ways to uh, combat that and alleviate that. And let me say that as facilitators, we found ourselves healing in different ways based on what we were uh, researching, what we were bringing to the group, what we were getting from the group. Um, we found ourselves in a different place because we're all seniors as well.
0: Mm. And so, you're not just facilitating; you're also able to to benefit from this.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Marla, uh, Regina was talking about just the physical impact of loneliness. What do we know about how groups like this can can help alleviate some of those problems?
1: Well, we know that um, being lonely and, and socially isolated. Um, has significant health, physical health and mental health, um, impacts as, as Regina mentioned. But I think what a group like this does, what the research on, on this particular kind of intervention shows is that people report, even after two years after participating in a group, they report that they are no longer lonely because they've, they've kind of gotten over that hump and they, they're more confident and, and capable of, of making connections to people. We know that their health improves. Uh, we know that they go to this, the doctor less often. Hmm. We know they get hospitalized less frequently. And yeah. they're more likely to be able to stay in their own homes longer, you know, if there's some kind of chronic illness. So there's some significant positives that come out of being in a group like this.
0: Marla, you'd also mentioned that this was something that was developed in Finland, and we think of that as such a different country than us, that they're just set up with a different sort of social net. And were there any big adjustments you had to make to make this work in the U.S.?
1: Well, we... we. Co- Consulted frequently and, and regularly with the founders of this intervention, and, and they were extremely helpful in helping us think through how to do it. We've we have made some adaptations, and, and as the groups are beginning to to emerge around the St. Louis area, um, in, as part of the training, I say to everyone, you know, you know your populations. That you're going to be, to be targeting for, you know, participating in a group like this and make the appropriate adaptations. And I think Regina's provided a great example of, of what she and the other four facilitators have done to, to meet the needs of their particular participants. And I think, um, I'm for, we're fortunate that, that the founders of, of this intervention who've done all the research were, have been so gracious to be able to, to tell us that, that adapted to, to the, to
0: the needs of the the people. That is so great to hear. And we're talking to Marla Berg-Wager. She's a professor in the School of Social Work at St. Louis University, also executive director of the Geriatric Education Center. We're also talking to Regina Stewart, who's a facilitator with Circle of Friends, this innovative program we're talking about that helps relieve isolation among seniors. Now, that's all the good news. Um, Unfortunately, the bad news is what is the bad news for so many things these days. And I understand these, these groups can no Longer meet in person because of the COVID nineteen virus. Is that correct?
2: That's correct.
0: So Regina, how are you adapting to this? It sounds like people really made such close bonds. Uh, what was it like to have to say, yeah, we can't meet in person right now?
2: Um, it was. It it was. It was not easy because people were used to um, used to our groups. Our group. Meets on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And our oldest participant 94 years old. Oh, my. And so a simple call, what I do is I call everybody. I call them. I make sure that everything's okay. If they need some kind of services, I get in touch with whomever can help them to see if, if we can do something to facilitate maybe getting a meal, getting them some food in the, in the, in the apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, just talking, just talking to them. And sometimes that's all it takes. We have one participant, for instance, we have one participant who is, uh, who is um, uh, recovering from alcoholism.
1: Mm-hmm. And he
2: fell off the wagon last week and someone called me and told me, you know, we got to get him up into his apartment. So I called him and had one-on-one. So we have a session every day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we talk about, you know what's going on with him. You know what have you? Kind of like a two person AA group, <laughs> and, uh, and that's what we do. And 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 I keep them assured that as soon as everything gets better, we're gonna be back together, physically.
0: Those are some really serious issues to be dealing with, and I know so many of us just feel overwhelmed without even having that level of pressure on us. Has this been a hard time for you too, trying to make these phone checks with everybody and you know dealing with say something that serious?
2: It is, but you know we have other things that we lean on. For instance, one of our participants, our male participants, he has a green thumb. and so um, he got us all planting these beautiful plants. And so uh, people talk about their plants and, you know, where they're at now with their plants. And they talk about future plans. Um, we never got around to crocheting. One of our groups is doing a lovely, wonderful uh, quilt. And they're really excited because they're going to um, enter that quilt into the St. Louis Senior Olympics, which Right now is on hold, mm-hmm. um, so you know there's a lot of things that are are intertwined, and I think that I I know that all of the facilitators have uh, have jumped through some different kind of hoops and did some different kind of things and became very innovative to keep those groups together to make people feel comfortable and that they're not panicking as well. Mm -hmm. And and once again, that's been helpful to me and I know to Roberta and Edith and Celestine and Dolores. I know it is because we get an opportunity to talk beyond our families who, of course, are worried about us. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we get a chance to talk to some people and come up with some new stuff.
0: Yeah, I love the idea of you guys all checking in on, you know, giving updates on how your plants are doing, that that kind of common um, shared activity, even if you're all in different apartments.
2: Yeah, whether not they're dying. <laughs> I hope not,
0: but but yes, yeah, so I guess that's the, the that happens to plants as well. Marla, for yeah. the rest of us who aren't involved with uh, something like this Circle of Friends community, um, what can we do to support older adults uh, who may be dealing with these these kind of stressors and loneliness?
1: Well, I think staying connected and that's exactly what um, the facilitators of Circle Friends are doing. Just stay connected. Um, there's a, a lot of different ways to stay connected. There's a wealth of information out there about, um, you know, the basics of, of video conferencing and FaceTiming and lots of apps that will help people stay connected. But you know what? There's always the phone. Um, everyone has a phone and so just trying to stay connected, uh, on a regular basis, just like the facilitators are doing. I think encouraging people to maintain their, their regular routine, um, because that provides comfort and familiarity for us. Trying to stay mm-hmm. healthy, trying to get some exercise, uh, trying to maintain regular sleep. But, but I think a really critical piece is to stay in touch. And, and this is something that, the, us connecting with older adults can do making sure that their their feelings and their needs are being addressed mm-hmm. um, regina talked about asking people what they need and and i think you know being able to say to older to get plenty of food in the refrigerator is there something we can bring you um that kind of thing and and staying calm um and being creative um you know there's there's lots of ways to to be connected um that m- maybe just require us to stretch our thinking a little bit.
0: I know that there's some efforts, uh, I guess the Metropolitan Congregations United, um, they're going to work with St. Louis County and other statewide community organizations to create a phone banking effort to reach seniors. And for people who may find themselves in a position of making phone calls to a stranger, what advice would you have uh, for people trying to begin that conversation by phone?
1: I think just um, relate to them as you would if you were sitting next to them um you know in in the doctor's office and start up a conversation you know get to get to know each other a little bit ask some questions about people's lives what do they enjoy doing um and then i then i, I think it, it, once you've established some kind of rapport then i think you can get to the point of is there anything we can help you with is mm-hmm. you know are you needing anything got have you had your prescriptions refilled? You know, those, those kind of things. But, but just. know what we all know how to do well to begin with, and that is to have a conversation with people. Regina said, I think it's just, it's important to to stay connected um, to people. And because we're all, you know, we're all in our houses and um, not having that contact that we're used to having. Mm -hmm.
0: So Regina, as you're looking ahead to it might be a month, might be two months from now, um, what are you most looking forward to in terms of getting your circle of friends uh, back together in person again?
2: Um, getting them um, getting everybody comfortable with being back to with, with the uh, real world mm-hmm. and um, and getting out more getting out doing some some physical um, um, outdoors things mm-hmm. um, we've uh, had some combined uh, lunches you know two or three of the sites. Together around Christmas time, went out for dinner, and um, one of our, our facilitators adopted a nursing home, so they their people are getting out beyond their normal everyday neighbors uh socializing, doing something for someone else, mm-hmm. feeling worthy, doing, and and that's what I would like to uh, like to see us be able to do is just to um, Take it a step further. Mm -hmm. Take it a step further. Um, um, That's going to be real important because they're not going to, all of them are not going to always stay with the group.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, some of them are going to branch out. One of the sites, they formed a group within the group. And so in December, when we culminated that first 12 weeks, then they have some other things that they're doing. So uh, just looking forward to to, to newness, some good stuff, being able to look at um how this whole um pandemic how it how it plays out and what mm-hmm. does that mean for seniors in this city mm-hmm. and seniors in this country. And by the way, all of our sites that we have here uh we uh the sites that we have going are um in public with public housing residents. Mm-hmm public housing, and mixed-income residents. And might I say, Sarah, I love telling everyone this. Um, uh, Marla shared that the program did originate in Finland, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was brought here. um, St. Louis University um, um, took a step further, and Chip stepped in and said, we'll... We'll get this together along with the help of Marvin Bostic from the Housing and Authority and the support of the Housing Authority. But it is the very first group of Circle of Friends in North America.
0: Wow. And that is that's something you guys should be so proud of. And, and honestly, today it's yeah. just it's it's putting such a smile on my face to hear what you were yeah. able to achieve and and how well it was going. So, yeah, um, Regina Stewart, I want to thank you so much for joining us today.
2: You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having. Me.
0: And uh, Marla Berg Wager, uh, thank you as well.
1: Yes, thank you. And I do want to mention that. Um, St. Louis University uh, Memory Clinic under the direction of Dr. Max Zabatsky was getting ready to launch um, an in-person circle of friends and obviously isn't able to do that. So they are going to be offering it uh, via Zoom conferencing. And so that's going to start up uh, in April. So if there Hmm. are questions, people are interested in learning more about that, just uh, they can reach out to me.
0: Well, great. And that's uh, that's awesome to hear. And so Marla Berg-Wager is a professor at the School of Social Work at St. Louis University and executive director of the Geriatric Education Center there. And, and she's made an invitation. So feel free to follow up with her. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.